All right, good morning, everyone. It is uh, an incredible schos to be able to be here with all of you this morning and be able to continue in our journey through Sefer Tehillim. So last week, we had the privilege to begin Kapitel Samech Zayin. So as I mentioned in last week's shir, so I called last week part two because I jumped a little bit forward in the Kapitel 2, Pasek Gimel, to focus on what it means, La Da'as Ba'aretz Darkecha, so today, I'd like to kind of take a step back and let's spend a few moments taking a look at the capital in its kind of in an overview and then Amir Tzashem zero in and try to focus on, on a couple of, of more precision topics. So let's take a look. Number one, So again, we see for the conductor on Neginos. Now we'll discuss Neginos actually not this week, but Amir Tzashem Hopefully next week, we'll get into a little bit more as to what David HaMelech is trying to convey with that word, but for the conductor. So remember, we've spoken about this many times before, that David HaMelech wrote Sefer Tehillim to really be the musical composition for the Levitic choir. David wanted more than anything to be able to build the Beis HaMikdash. He was unable to do so. Baruch did not want him to do so. See, he did the next best thing, or the next best things. He bought the real estate, Right, he went ahead and he bought the Makom HaMikdash, but was at that point in time a threshing floor from Arav Nahayevusi. And he also went ahead and composed the musical compositions, which would be sung by the Levitic choir. That's Sefer Tehillim. So when you see David HaMalach, when you say in Tehillim, for the conductor, the conductor is for the head of the Levitic choir. So Lamatzeach Meneginos Mizmarshir. Elohim Yechaneinu, Ve'evrachinu Ye'er Panav Itanu Hashem will be gracious to us, bless us. He will cause his countenance to shine with us forever. We saw last week that your way should be known on earth, your salvation amongst all nations. Hashem, the nations will know you, the peoples will know you, the peoples will thank you, all of them. So literal translation, kingdoms will rejoice and sing praises, for you will judge peoples fairly, and the kingdoms you will lead them on earth forever. People will thank you, Hashem. People will thank you, all of them. The earth gave forth its produce. Hashem, our God, will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. A beautiful capital. Now, of course, what's nice about this capital is those of you who have been us, been with us, you know, for the last couple of years as we make our way through this sefer, know that many of the kapitloch in David Amalek's Tehillim are often challenging, sad, and difficult. Because remember, Tehillim is very reflective of David Amalek's life. And David Amalek had many tumultuous periods, much more much more struggle than tranquility, right? Much more tsara than simcha. Such was the nature of David HaMelech's life. What's unique about this capital, as you can see, this is why I wanted to read it through quickly, is it's a very happy capital. It's a very beautiful capital. It speaks about, again, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's goodness, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's kindness, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's blessing. But most of all, the theme that keeps on repeating itself through this capital is that the nations of the world will see and will know the greatness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's, that's the essence of this theme, which then leads the Mepharshim. So remember, we've spoken about this many times, but whenever we learn Tehillim, one of the first things we like to try to be able to do is to figure out, contextualize, what is this capital referring to? Either if it's, a, if it's an episode on King David's life, what episode does it reference? And if it's not an episode about King David's life, you know, does it refer to a different historical period, something else? So here the Mepharshim say something very interesting. The Radak says in number two, and the Alshech, we're going to see this becomes a common theme. The Radak writes, Says Radak, this particular capital is speaking about Kibbutz Golios, the ingathering of the exiles, that part of Messianic redemption, is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to gather Kali Yisrael from all the corners of the world and Emir Hashem bring us back to Eretz Yisrael. Says the Radak, that's what this capital is referring to.
That's the topic over here. That what's going to happen if Hashem Baruch Hu brings us back? All of the nations are going to see the greatness of Hashem, the overwhelming magnitude of Hashem Baruch Hu's kindness. They're going to praise Him. They're going to love Him. They're going to bless Him, and humanity will recognize Him. Also, the kindness of Hakadosh Baruch Hu will be manifest and will be visible and will be observable by all the nations of the world. If you look at number three, the Al Sheikh writes, same idea. So the Al Sheikh writes, this capital is not the historical reference to a particular episode in David Melech's life, but rather this capital, this chapter of Tilim, is a reference to the Messianic era. There will be two things which will occur or unfold during the Messianic era. Echad, Sheva Brachos told Yisrael. Number one is there's going to be a deluge of blessing for the Jewish people. Shefa, an enormous amount of Bracha for Klav Yisrael. That's Aleph, that's number one. Shemis Beis, Asher Yizkadish Shmo Yisparach Ba'olam. The name of God will be literally, you know, sanctified. Really, it means magnified in the world. Because the nations will see HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You know, we're not going to get into this now, but in general, we know that there is a dramatic debate as to the nature of the Messianic era. When Mashiach comes, is it going to be a time of incredible miracles, right? Like there was an opinion in the Gemara that says, Mashiach comes, so loaves of bread will grow from the ground. Amazing. In other words, you don't have to cut down the wheat, make the wheat, you know, you know, it might not be good for your carb intake. But 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 Lamaisa, but Lamaisa, the bread will grow from there. The world will be in an elevated status, right? It'll be a miraculous time. Others saying, no, no, there'll be some miracles. There'll be that war of Gogu Magog, that great showdown against good versus evil. There'll be the rebuilding of the base on Mikdash, there'll be the ingathering of exiles of Cloud Israel. But even those events, remember, if you think about it for just a moment, the ingathering of the ingathering of, of, of exiles for Klal Yisrael, again, that's going to be miraculous in that it's going to be miraculous that the Jewish people want to do something together. That's a miracle, that we all want to do the same thing. The fact that we all get to Eretz Yisrael, of course, Cheshmeracho could go ahead and bring us on the wings of eagles. He could, he could also just book our flights. In other words, there, there are different ways... You, you can get there. The building of the base Hamikdash, the third base Hamikdash itself is, is a machlokis. Is the third base Hamikdash going to descend from the heavens whole, built, fully intact? Or are we going to build it, you know, literally, well, figuratively, brick by brick? So again, there is an incredible amount of dispute when it comes to the Messianic era. Halavai Mirat Hashem, we will be able to see it with our own eyes, Bekarov. And Amir Hashem be able to see who is correct. The truth is, it doesn't matter who's correct. As long as Mashiach comes, that's, that's really all that matters. So the Al-Sheikh says over here that there are two elements of the Messianic era. Element number one is that there's going to be an incredible deluge of blessing for the Jewish people. Now, that could be supernatural or it could be natural, right? It could be supernatural and that the loaves of bread coming out of the ground, right? That, that's possible. Or possibility two is simply, again, Klal Yisrael will be put on a pedestal when the world recognizes the oneness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And number two byproduct, ultimately, again, of the Messianic era, is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence will become known in an uncontested fashion. There will be a revelation. There'll be an appreciation, understanding of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, an acceptance of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that is just simply incontestable truth. Which is why, by the way, the Gemara says, when Mashiach comes, we do not accept converts, which is very interesting. The doors to conversion are closed when Mashiach comes. Why? Because conversion is only effective and meaningful when there's some level of Mesiras Nefesh, when there's some level of self-sacrifice, which every person who converts undergoes an incredible amount of self-sacrifice. But when Mashiach comes and it becomes clear that Klal Yisrael, the chosen nation, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the God, so conversion, now everybody wants to be part of the winning team. The, the, the goal is to, we accept converts when you have to believe that we're the winning team. It's not always so apparent. It's maybe apparent to us, doesn't necessarily objectively apparent. So when Mashiach, so the, the, the Al-Shaq says, these are the two elements of the Messianic era. Bracha for Klal Yisrael, either natural or supernatural, and an incredible startling revelation, an appreciation, understanding of HaKadosh Baruch Hu by everyone. Rav Hirsch echoes, we're not going to do this inside, but Rav Hirsch echoes this same theme. He says, I'll just read to you one line. He says, the psalmist now turns to a view 
of the future, which he had sung in the preceding chapters. In the future era, as a result of the example set by Israel, this recognition and worship of God shall have become the common possession of all of the nations, and Israel, together with the rest of the peoples of the world, shall rejoice in his blessing. It's actually quite beautiful. Rav Hirsch understands over here that the hallmark of the Messianic era is the joining of the nations with Klal Yisrael to worship and to serve the Rivano Shalom. Now, of course, it doesn't mean the same. In other words, Klal Yisrael, we have Tariyag Mitzvahs, we have 630 Mitzvahs, we have a whole system of observance. It doesn't mean that the nations of the world are going to adopt that level of observance. But remember, here's the great part. You know, this goes back to the conversion conversation. Do you know what we tell every single person when they come, they show up and they say, they, we want to convert to Judaism? I want to convert. So, you know, it's interesting. So generally, Rabbanim aren't very hospitable to incoming converts. I mean, we're very nice, but you know what the first thing we say to them? Are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? What's the matter with you? Why? The Jewish people have not cornered the market on God. This is incredibly important. We have a unique bond with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but we don't own God. It's not like we, we have God and no one else has Him. We have a unique relationship with Him. He has a unique relationship with us. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the God of all humanity. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves all of His children. This is incredibly important because sometimes we develop an unhealthy sense of Judaic exceptionalism. In other words, to believe that we are a chosen people and to believe that we have a unique relationship with Baruch Hu is absolutely true and a, necess a necessary piece in our hashkafa. But to believe that we are better to the exclusion of everyone else, that we're, we're, we're better and no one else has, could have God because we have all of him, that's, that's false. That's unequivocally false. That's why a non-Jew who, who observes the Sheva Mitzvah's B'nai Noach has an Olam Haba. Is it the same Olam Haba as a Jew? Uh, we'll leave that up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Probably not. There are different relationships. They're just like you treat all of your kids differently, even though you love all of them the same, hopefully. Right? So, but each of my children, I have a unique and different relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a unique and different relationships. The same way, some of my kids, I give X, and other of my kids, I don't give X, and some I give Y. Okay, so that's the rules of Baruch Hu also. But what Rav Hirsch is pointing out over here is, that in the Messianic era, there's going to be a joint effort in the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, now, what does that mean? What that means is everyone's going to be serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Klal Yisrael will set the example of Avodas Hashem, but the nations of the world, in their own way, in their Noahide way, will also serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So first of all, if you just pause for a moment and you think about that, what the world will look like when humanity serves HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What this, how beautiful it's going to be and what the fabric of every society will be like when humanity is serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Remember, humanity is not gonna become Jewish. We're not a proselytizing religion. We don't need everybody to become Jewish. We just have our Mashiach, we don't accept converts. But imagine mankind, mankind united in the service of Hashem Every Jew is doing it one way and this one doing it that way, but everyone united in that service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That, says Rav Hirsch, is the Messianic era. That's Yimos HaMashiach. And I know sometimes you hear this and you might say, really, like, that's it? I was kind of hoping I wouldn't have to pay my mortgage. I was kind of hoping there'd be day school vouchers. You know, I, you know, a whole bunch of things that I kind of thought would be the hallmark of the Messianic era. So what I would tell you is, imagine for a moment a world that was not fractured. And imagine for a moment a world which believed in God. And imagine for a moment a world which placed a value on spirituality, on spiritual development, on a neshama. Imagine, if, and, and understand, all those other things we want in life will come from that because when we're all on that same page, hashkafically and spiritually, again, although it manifests differently for different groups, the world is going to be so different. The world will be so magnificent. Life will be so sweet when there is a common spiritual agenda. That, says Rav Hirsch, is Yimos HaMashiach. So what you begin to see is the Radak, the Alshech, Rav Hirsch, all understanding that this particular capital is a reference to the Messianic era. And now the truth is, 
If you look at the capital back with that lens, now it makes a lot of sense. The nations will revere you. The nations will praise you. They'll see your greatness. So it makes sense. It's not talking about this world, but rather ultimately, again, talking about the Messianic era. What I want to draw your attention to for the, for, for the rest of this year. So that's by way of introduction, contextualize. What I'd like to draw your attention to is Pasuk Beis. And in Pasuk Beis, so David HaMelech writes, Elohim yechanenu v'yevarechenu ya'er panav itanu selah. So I want to focus on this first phrase. Elohim yechanenu. Hashem will be gracious to us. Will be gracious to us. So again, let's analyze this phrase just a little bit. If we take a look at the Radak, so the Radak says, number six, Elohim yechanenu v'yevarechenu sheyitein lanu chino v'yevarechenu. It's actually quite beautiful. So, you know, Yechaninu is a Lashon of Chen. Chen, right? Chen means favor. But the truth is, the word, the English word favor does, doesn't really, doesn't really do it justice. In other words, what Chen, when you say a person has Chen, Benoach Matzah Chen, right? Be'en Esther, right? Esther Malka found Chen in everyone who saw her. So, you know, it's one of these words that, that to a certain degree, escapes a little bit of English translation because Lashon HaKodesh, you know, the words, the words capture so much more meaning than could ever be translated into a different language. So yeah, you find favor. Okay, I know what that finds favor. Somebody brings me a tuna fish sandwich for lunch. You found favor in my eyes. That's, that's not really what chen means. Chen is something much when you see a person has chen. What you're saying is that person really, there's something special in that person. There's a sweetness, there's a kindness, there's a goodness. And you know, when you say a person has chen, often you're not even referring to something they did or a way they behaved. It's kind of what you perceive to be part of their character. So this idea, Elohim Yechanenu. Now, the way it's translated over here is, God will be gracious to us. The Radak says that's not what it means. It means, Elohim Yechanenu means God will convey some of His chen to us. Sheyitein lanu chino. He will give us some of His chen. And He will bless us. So again, just another beautiful window into the Messianic era. Remember, all working off the same idea. What's going to happen in the Messianic era? You know, we all have a piece of Hashem in ourselves. That's called the Neshama. Anitzutz. Anitzutz, as the Baal calls it, Chelek Eloka Mimaal Mamish. Literally a piece of the Ribbono Shel Olam, which is embedded in me. That's the Neshama. We all have that. But when Mashiach comes in Mirat Hashem there's going to be something else. Hashem is going to give us, give us some of His Chain. He's going to take a little bit of divine Chain and bestow it upon us. So you ask yourself, okay, that's nice. But why? So think about this for just a moment. What happens, right? How, how do you feel when you encounter a person who you say, ah, that person has chen, a lot of chen. So how do you feel about that person? You feel warm towards that person. You want to even be around that person. You want to connect. So what is Chash going to do? Part of what's going to happen in Mosul Mashiach is a period of tranquility. So how does that Kodesh Baruch create tranquility between people who are so often divided and divisive? To which the Radak says, how does he do it? He gives us each a little bit of his chen. How beautiful. Chesh gives me some of his chen, gives you. So what's going to happen? You're going to see me and you say, ah, Silver is such a nice guy. Such a nice guy. And I'm going to see your chen. Ah, oh, such a beautiful person. Such wonderful chen. And what ends up happening? By definition, we want to be around each other. We want to connect with one another. Which also tells you, by the way, that to usher in a period of tranquility amongst mankind requires divine intervention, which is also incredible because if you think about it, it's kind of like when your kids get into a fight. So what happens, especially with, with well, I guess it applies to kids of all ages. So often the parental, the, the first parental response is, I'm gonna let them figure it out. Let them figure, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna let them figure it out. And then what happens? When, when you have a pounding headache that hasn't gone away for seven and a half days, you decide, you know what, I, I'm, I'm intervening over here. Like this is, this is absolutely enough. They, they might be 20, 30, 40, but they're still 
pretty immature. So I'm, I'm going to step in over here. And well, maybe don't do it when they're 20, 30, 40. Then you probably should let them figure it out. But when they're younger, I'm, I'm going to step in them. So what does Baruch say? It's amazing. For, for, from, from time immemorial, Kaj Baruch who said, I have one simple idea for you. But Kaj Baruch also knows us. And, and the truth is, we love each other, but we don't always like each other. We would do anything for one another, but often we just can't get along. Oh, you need a kidney? Oh, of course. Claudio Santino, it's amazing. It's amazing. The Orthodox population, Jewish people, is like the highest rate of, of altruistic kidney donors. It's incredible. I will go ahead and give someone I don't know my kidney, but I don't like you. I don't like you. Like, I don't want to daven in shul with you and I'll speak Lashon Hara about you. But if you need a kidney, of course, I have two. Of course, I'm going to give you a kidney. It's, it's, it's the great, it is the great anomaly of the Jewish people. And Akhlesh Baruch who looks at this like, you guys are out of your mind. You love each other so much, you would do anything for each other. But yet at the end of the day, you don't like each other sometimes. What? And I just want to point this out. This is, this is true it's not just, oh yeah, based on make this destroyed because of sinas You know, look at what's happening in our world today. This society is fractured, but look how fractured our people are. Look at what's happening in Eretzisro. You see these images of these showdowns between Jews, between Jews, between Haredim and police, between this one and that one. And again, without getting into right and wrong, because there, there is a right and wrong, but that's, I'm not going to use this as my pedestal to discuss that. But how crazy is it? How, 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 how overwhelming is it that these things are happening in our world? How, 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 how overwhelming is it that after 2,000 years of diaspora, we have a Jewish homeland? It's true. It's not perfect. Whether you believe it's the beginning of the Gula, don't believe. But we have it. We have it. I mean, one of the most, one of the most painful things to me personally with this whole pandemic, besides the dramatic loss of life, is we're shut out of Eretz Yisrael. For those of us in the diaspora, we are shut out of Eretz Yisrael. For most of us in our lifetime, this is the first time that we have been denied entry into the land of our forefathers. And the truth is, that has to, that has to give us pause. And we really have to think about what that means. I think for many of us, for the first time in our lives, we actually feel what it means to be a gullus Jew. I love Eretz Yisrael, but no matter how much money I want to pay, well, maybe I guess if you pay enough money, I, I can't get in. I can't, I, I can't, the borders are closed. The, the airport is closed. There's no way the dead could get in. The living cannot get in to the land of our forefathers. So it's, it's an incredible, an incredible thing to think about. But again, we're living in very fractured times. We really are. And it is heartbreaking to see what is happening here. It's heartbreaking. So says, so says the Radak something amazing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants the Messianic era to be a time of Shalom. So how do you make Shalom? Elokim yichanenu. Hashem will give us chen. Hashem will give us chen. He'll give us each a little bit of his own divine chen. And as a result, you're going to see my chen. You're going to say, ah, such a nice guy. And I'm going to see your chayin. I'm going to see, oh, such a nice person. And that's how we come together. So apparently the achdos cannot be accomplished without the father intervening. Without the father intervening. But ultimately, but ultimately when the father intervenes, he is able to make shalom amongst the children. The hallmark of the messianic era. So if you skip a little bit, just to number eight. So I want to show you just a different interpretation of this chain, which will also move us away a little bit, a little bit, from only looking at this capital through the prism of the Messianic era. So take a look at number eight. Rav Hirsch says something amazing. He says, Hanan, right, this Lashon of Yechanenu, denotes preponderantly the favoring with mental talents, particularly when occurring in conjunction with bracha, the granting of economic means. Intellectual ability has always been the prime desire within the heart of the Jewish nation. The first prayer in the Shemona Esri is The wish for material blessings follows after. The former is a prerequisite for the perception of what God's will is. The latter is essential if we are to fulfill His will. So this is actually incredible. So if Hirsch comes along and he says, 
I think we're looking at the word in the wrong way. We translate Yechanenu from Lashon of Chaim, from Lashon of Chaim, which means to convey favor. But the truth is, that's true. But the word Chaim, or right, or we'll see Chonin, is often used in conjunction with conveying wisdom. With conveying wisdom. So if Hirsch says that ultimately, again, Chonin or Chanan represents, again, preponderantly the favoring with mental talents, the conveyance of wisdom. So according to Rav Hirsch, Elohim Yechanenu doesn't simply mean HaKadosh Baruch who is going to go ahead and give us favor, right? Like, like, like we saw in the Radak, but rather it means Hashem is going to provide us with wisdom. Hashem is going to provide us with wisdom. Now, Rav Hirsch mentioned the brach of Atachoni Adam Das. So let's use that as a little bit of a springboard for this last part of our conversation. So we look in number nine, Shimon Esrei, we say, Atachoni Adam Das, so the truth is, there's much to talk about in this bracha in terms of deya bina haskel, but we're just going to focus just on this first phrase. So I want to point out something very interesting. So if Hirsch points out, you know, the first thing we ask for, the first thing we ask for in our bakasha section, because remember, Shmona Esrei is made up of three parts, right? The first part of Shmona Esrei is praise. The last part of Shmona Esrei is gratitude, thanksgiving. And the middle part are bakashas, our requests. A whole series of requests. We ask for anything and everything that we need in life. So Rav Hirsch points out fascinatingly that the first thing we ask for is wisdom. Is wisdom. la'adam das. You provide us with wisdom. So Rav Hirsch understands something amazing. Rav Hirsch understands that why do we daven for stuff? Why do we daven for things? Right? Why do I ask Hashem for Paranasa? Why do I ask Hashem for Rafua? Why do I ask Hashem for a family? Why do I ask Hashem for all the things that I ask Him for? Because I want to be able to fulfill God's will. This is, we've spoken about this many times. This is why, for example, Judea, well, people ask, what, what's Judaism's view on materialism? So what's Judaism's view on materialism? The answer is, yes. That, that's Judaism's view. What, what, what do I mean by that? Material wealth, is it good or is it bad? Like everything else in life, it depends. It depends how you use it. So if you go out and you have material wealth and you use it to fulfill the Ratzon Hashem, to fulfill the will of God, it's fantastic. If you go out and you take your materialism and you use it to, to, divide and, to create a division between you and God, it's terrible. It's terrible. But here's the challenge. What's the challenge? How do you know what the will of God is? How do you know what the will of God is? And by the way, it's incredibly dangerous. It's incredibly dangerous, right? And again, j- just to draw on current events, right? If you look at what's fracturing Klan Yisrael so much right now, especially in Eretz Yisrael, but to a certain degree here as well, is the Ratzon Hashem to continue life as normal, keep everything open, go forward? Or is the Ratzon Hashem to heed medical advice, contemporary medical wisdom advice? And, and again, you, you have a machlokis onto what the Ratzon Hashem is. What, what is the will of God? And you see what happens when there's not clarity as to what the will of God is. It leads to death. It leads to machlokis. It leads to a whole variety of different things. And incredible. So says of her something amazing. Before I dive into Hashem to give me Parnassah and health and, and, every, and Mishpach and everything else to fulfill the Ratzon Hashem, to fulfill the will of God, the first order of business is... What is the will of God? Atachonin la'adam da'as is where I try, I say, Hashem, I need wisdom. Why do I need wisdom? Why do I need wisdom? Because I need to figure out what is your will, right? I need to figure out what it is that you want me to do. What do you want me to be? What do you want me to accomplish? And I cannot figure that out without you. So it's incredible. So the first so the first request is wisdom. Now it's interesting. You know Rav Hirsch, Rav Hirsch said intellectual ability has always been the prime desire within the heart of the Jewish nation. So now this by the way is also interesting because this by itself was was a point of contention between the Hasidim and the Misnagdim, between the Baal Shem Tov and the Vilna Gon, right? In pre-Hasidic Judaism, right? PC, right? Pre-Hasidic Judaism. So ultimately, again, intellect was king. 
intellect was king. It was all about the intellect. It was all about your ability to learn. It was all about your ability to plumb the intellectual depths of Torah. And the Baal came along and he said, yes, but no. Of course intellect is important. Of course. And of course, Torah is Torah. That, that, that's non-negotiable. That, that is the backbone of Kalal Yisrael. But there are other ways to reach HaKadosh Baruch Hu besides your intellect. There are other ways. There are other ways. You can reach HaKadosh Baruch Hu with a sincere heart. You can reach HaKadosh Baruch Hu with a niggin, with a heartfelt tune. You can reach HaKadosh Baruch Hu with an act of chesed, not only the intellect. So I just want to point out, Rav Hirsch clearly is, is from the cloth. Right? I cut from the cloth that says intellectual ability, that, that wording over here, has always been the prime desire within the heart of the Jewish nation. I don't know that everybody would agree with that statement, but from Rav Hirsch's, certainly it's a good Yekisha approach as well, right? Rav Hirsch, Rav Hirsch was, uh, Rav Hirsch was right, of, of, of the Germanic community. So certainly spoken like a good Yekka, right? It's all about the intellect, right? It's all, it's all about, so again, but even if you don't adopt this, this statement per se, what Rav Hirsch is saying is very profound. The first request I have in life is for intellect. And even if you don't hold that intellect as king, it's very simple. My whole life is about fulfilling the Ratzon Hashem. If you ask, what, what, is, what is my mission in this world? My mission in this world is to fulfill the will of God. To fulfill the will of God through the performance of Torah mitzvahs, but also to fulfill the will of God because God put me in this world because he, he has a desire for me to accomplish something. But I, I have to figure out what that is. I have to figure out, there's two pieces. You're going to give me Gashmius. Gashmius is a great bracha. Why? Because the truth is, with money, you can accomplish things in this world. That, that, that's the truth. This is why we are not an ascetic religion. You can accomplish a lot of stuff with money. If you have a lot of it, you can baruch Hashem, give and build, even if you don't have a lot of it, but you're able to pay your bills, you're able to live, and you're not preoccupied with your existence. Remember, if you don't have money, Anyone who's ever suffered with poverty knows that it becomes a full, fully immersive experience, right? The pauper is often fully consumed by the enormity of his circumstances and often can't think of anything else. A person has money, Baruch Hashem, the mortgage is paid, the bills are paid, there's food and there's food in the refrigerator. Okay, now I can focus on loftier things as well. So the first thing I need to know is Hashem, what is your Ratzon? What is your Ratzon? After I know what is your Ratzon, then I can ask for all of the material tools to be able to fulfill that Ratzon. But I want to share with you something amazing. And then we'll kind of loop this all back together. So that's according to Rav Hirsch, the meaning of Atachonin Adam Das. What am I asking for? I'm asking for wisdom. Why am I asking for wisdom? Because I want to understand what you want of me. You want me to be special. You want me to be impactful. You want me to lead a meaningful life. You want me to make a difference. But I need to understand how to do that. Because you know, most people don't discover how to do this. Most people just coast through life without ever really thinking about what is the Ratzon Hashem. So the first thing I do every single day, das. Before I ask for all the Gashmias, help me understand what you want from me. And if I can understand what you want from me, then I'll understand how to make it happen with all of the material blessings you give me. If you look at number 11, if you look at number 11, so this is in the Sefer Nesiv Bina, which uh, was written by Rav Yaakov Nathanson, a beautiful, a beautiful set of Svarim, I think it's five, six volumes. It's essentially an encyclopedia on Tfilah. And it's really, really incredibly beautiful. See, he writes over here, if you look at this section, he says in paragraph Aleph, he writes, So interestingly enough, what, what the Nesib Bina is focused on is a fascinating idea. It's interesting that we dive into HaKadosh Baruch Hu for wisdom. Because wouldn't a person think, listen, you want Das, you want Bina, you want Haskell, work harder, right? Study, read books, you know, learn Svarim, you know, I don't know, I would, I would say look on the internet, but that's probably not a good idea, right? So go ahead and, and just right, explore the world and you will go ahead and acquire wisdom. What am I davening to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for? 
So look what he writes over here. He says, So skip a little bit. He says, so we're going to build these lessons one on top of the other. So whereas Rav Hirsch tells us that I need das, right? I, I, I need wisdom for one reason and one reason only. To discern what is the Ratzon Hashem. And then after I discern what is the Ratzon Hashem, what is the will of God, then I could use my material blessings to be able to go ahead and implement or actualize that will of God. Then a Sid Bina comes along and he says something amazing. He says, the fact that we dive into Hashem for wisdom tells us that wisdom, <coughs> excuse me, intellect is a gift from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's a gift. It's a gift. He says something absolutely amazing. He says, intellect, 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 wisdom, that's not something you accomplish. That's up to Hashem Baruch Hu. We see this all the time. A person has a photographic memory. Where it's, oh, shkoyach. Great job. You must have really worked very hard to acquire that. No, he didn't. Right? No, she didn't. That was a gift from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And we see this. Some people have the ability to retain things. Some people don't. Some people have better long-term memory, short-term memory, whole variety of different things. In fact, sometimes the greatest musr of this is when you see a person who is afflicted by dementia or Alzheimer's, you see how much we don't control our wisdom, how much we don't control our intellect. It is absolutely, wholly and totally in the hands of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. People who once lived in the ivory towers of intellect Again, can't remember their own name. So we see that at the end of the day, intellect is given to us by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So he says something very beautiful. He says that's why it's very important for children, I'm sorry, for parents and teachers to never create the worth of a child or a student around how much intellect or wisdom they possess. Rather, he says, a parent has to see the quote-unquote success of their child and how much effort they're willing to expend. Because you can have someone who is very, very wonderful intellect, incredible memory, but as an, a rotten person, and you can have a person who can't remember anything, but yet tries so hard and has the most incredible midos. And this is incredibly important. I think parents intuitively understand this. I often think that our schools don't necessarily value this that I think very often still, still the metric of a successful student is how well you do on a test. And those of us who are a couple of years out of school, no, don't, I mean, I wouldn't tell this to my kids, especially my high schoolers. What you get on your test matters for absolutely nothing. No one cares, the world doesn't care, and it doesn't even have an impact on who and what you are. And by the way, I'll even say, it's even true for your SATs, and it's even true for everything else. Those are necessary steps to get to the, but, but again, it doesn't move the needle at all on who and what you are. But yet, so many children are damaged because they can't live up to this metric. So they feel like failures, they feel like underachievers, when meanwhile, they're, they're bursting with incredible midos and bursting with incredible potential. Okay, when, one day we'll have, to, we'll have to address that as well in Mirat Sashem. But in any event, says in the Sibina something amazing. He says, Atachoni Adam Das. Do you know what to take away messages? Hashem, my wisdom comes from you. My wisdom, my Das, my intellect comes from you. And he says something amazing. Go to read the Yavitz. He says, We could do it outside. He says, I'll tell you the rest of this outside. He says something so beautiful. He says, this becomes the springboard. Why do we begin with Because the truth is, after you learn this, you say, of course, of course this is true. Right? If there's one thing that is so clearly God-given, it's intellect. It's Hashem, you give us wisdom. I, I, I could amplify the gifts that you gave me, but you give it to me or you don't give it to me. And says in a Sibina something amazing. He says, just like intellect is a gift from Hashem. This is to remind us that everything we have in life is a gift from Hashem. There is nothing that is magia lanu. 
There is nothing that is owed to us. There is nothing that is coming to us. And there is nothing, the truth is, that we've earned. Everything that we have in life is a gift. And I want to tell you something amazing. I think if a person is able to internalize this mindset, I, I really believe that I have discovered the secret of happiness in life. I don't live the secret of happiness in life, but I've at least discovered it, which is live life with the mindset, no one owes you anything. God doesn't owe you anything. No one, people don't owe you anything. No one owes you anything. And when you live life with the realization that no one owes you anything, everything is a windfall. Everything is like you struck gold. Akash didn't owe me to put my neshama back in my body this morning. He didn't owe me another day of life. And to be very honest, it's not like I did such a great job with yesterday, right? That, 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 that I earned today. I, I could tell you, this is not confession. I, could, I underperformed yesterday. So it's not like, oh, really, you know, Kishprofi, you saw yesterday, I, top of my game. So of course, they didn't give me another day. I underperformed yesterday and I underperformed the day before and I've underperformed most of the days of my life. Kishprofi doesn't owe me anything. So imagine waking up in the morning and saying, not just saying Moda'ani, but actually feeling Moda'ani. You gave me life. By the way, I also did Averis yesterday. I did Averis. So not, not, only did I, not only did I underperform, but I also did Averis. I, 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 didn't, I didn't, you don't owe it to me. I didn't have to wake up. There are plenty of people that didn't wake up this morning. I, I, you don't owe it to me, but you gave it to me. Wow. You gave it to me. And imagine going through your day with every single thing. Oh my gosh, my wife, my children, uh, a partner. I, I don't, you don't owe these things to me. Plenty of people, Ahmad don't have it. I'm amazed. I'm amazed. I live life in this, uh, not I do, I, I would love to live life in this state of awe because everything is from you. None of it is owed to me, yet you still. Give it to me. Says the Nesid Bina, this is the power of the brach of Atachonin la Adam Das. I begin Shmona Esterei by saying, intellect comes from you. Intellect comes from you. It doesn't come from me. I can amplify that which you gave me, but at the end of the day, it comes from you. And then this is to open up my eyes to the rest of the brachas of Shmona. So whatever I dive in for, Paranasa, help, whatever else, you know what? You don't owe it to me. In fact, you don't owe me anything. And everything I get from you is the most dramatic gift. You know, you, you often, you could see this, you could see this in little children. You know, the age for this is getting younger and younger because kids have much higher expectations these days. But in little kids, you see this when you give them something and that they weren't expecting. And like, it could be something relatively insignificant. And it's like, wow, wow, you know, Baruch Hashem, over the course of this pandemic, we were, we were blessed with a granddaughter. And Baruch Hashem, I'm in awe. I'm in awe of watching her. You know, my mother, Baruch Hashem, this little girl is privileged to have her great-grandmother. So my mother bought her one of these, one of these very noisy toys. And it was that moment I was like, so happy, Baruch Hashem, this is my granddaughter and not my kid. Because I would have gone nuts with that toy in my house. And I remember my mother actually did buy those same toys for my children as well. And so my, 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 my daughter sent the video of my granddaughter sitting on the floor it, the thing is making blaring noise and she's just hitting it and smiling like, wow, what simcha? What simcha? You got something new. You got something new. It's not really the most purposeful of toys. I didn't tell my mother this. You know, it's not like it serves like, you know, it's just fun. It's just, but you see this, you see this in children that they get something and they're like, wow, wow. This is like the best thing in the world. It's the best thing in the world. And we lose that. Imagine waking up in the morning and feeling like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing in the world. I just woke up. It didn't have to happen. It doesn't happen for everyone. This is the best thing in the world. In the world. That says in the Sid Bina is what Atachoni la Adam Das. Just like you give us Bina, you give us wisdom, and it's only from you. You don't owe it to me. It's only from you. I can't have it without you. Everything else in this world is only from you also. Now, of course, to be clear, I have to put in my ishtagos. I have to put in my effort 
there are no free lunches in this world. But at, well, for a lot of people, there are free lunches. But for but we don't we we go with the approach that there should not be free lunches in this world, right? As the Gemara says, if you want to eat on Shabbos, you have to cook on erev Shabbos. That's the way the world works. But ultimately, again, you put in your Ashtabas, But at the end of the day, no guarantees. No guarantees. Everything is a gift. A matana from Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And intellect reminds me that any wisdom or intellect I have is a gift from you. And it reminds me that everything else I have in this world is a gift as well. If you take a look at paragraph Gimel and number 11, our last piece for today, Rav Kuk, builds on this idea and says something truly beautiful. Rav Kuk writes, he goes on, he says, Get around there. If you look in the second line, it's, it's actually, it's, it's, in num- it's source number 11. It's the paragraph that's marked five, right, by the letter Gimel. Rav Kook writes, he says, Gedr Hadea, who lehishtamish bechol davar gam hashavah shebetashmishim letachles hamayla. What is our job in this world, says Rav Kook? Our job in this world is to go ahead and, to go ahead and use everything for the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, To find the holiness in everything. You know, often we kind of live with a little bit of a dichotomy, a disconnect. There's Kodesh and there's Chol. There's that which is holy, that which is mundane. There are activities I do that are holy, there are activities that I do that are mundane. There are things that are holy, things that are mundane. And if Cook says, the, the, the pinnacle of, of Judaic accomplishment is to be able to take even the most mundane and lift it up and to make it into something holy. That's the pinnacle of Judaic accomplishment. Vine, bishasha adam osek binyone malos ukidusha at filosia daito gidola. What is it that we're davening for? We're davening for wisdom. Hashem, allow me to find the holiness even in the mundane. Isn't that beautiful? Allow me to find the holiness even in the mundane. Allow me to take the things that the world says is chol. These things are chol, right? They're not holy. But allow me to find the holiness in them. He goes on, he says, this is why we begin, we begin with the brach of Atachon and Ladandas, because think about it. Over the course of Shemones, we were down for a lot of material things. Well, again, how do you want to use your materialism? Do you want to allow the material? Like, even think about, think about why it is that you daven for the things that you daven for, that you want the things that you want. Are they just to satisfy some basic need? Or are you asking for them for some higher purpose? Rav Kook says, says, Give me the wisdom to use the brachos you HaKadosh Baruch Hu give me for a higher purpose. Allow me to find the Kodesh in the Chol. Allow me to find the holiness in the mundane. Allow me to have the wisdom to be able to figure out how to draw out the spark of holiness, the spark of Kedusha, even in the most mundane things, the most mundane people, and the most mundane circumstances. So if you bring this all together, what we really have is something incredibly beautiful. So again, just from two words, which once again is why we move so slowly through Sefer Tehillim. So remember again, one phrase, Elohim Yichanenu, Hashem, which Yichanenu, so what does Yechanenu mean? So again, we have the simple approach. Well, nothing simple here. But if you go with the approach, ultimately, that the capital is dealing with the Messianic era. So Yechanenu means what? Very simple. Kishbarov wants us to get along. And how is he going to allow us to get along with each other, to really love one another? He will give us of his chen. He will confer his chen upon us. And if I have divine chen, and if you have divine chen, we cannot help but get along with each other, creating a beautiful, harmonious achtos in Klav Yisrael, but really also amongst all mankind. That's the Yechanenu. But then if we take this a little bit further, we understand that the message of Elkim Yechanenu is not simply a message ultimately for the Messianic era, but it's a message for today, for the here and now as well, a three-pronged message based on our first understanding that Yechanenu, whenever you see the word Hanan, it always refers to wisdom. Sorry, always refers to wisdom. So the Rebbe says so beautifully, I'm sorry, the Rebbe, Rav Hirsch says so beautifully that Hanan always refers to the conveyance of wisdom. Elokim Yechanenu means Hashem. Give us 
Wisdom. Give us wisdom. What do I need wisdom for? Number one, I need wisdom to know what is the Ratzon Hashem. What is the will of God? And isn't this the thing we struggle with most? Hashem, what do you want me to do in this world? Ma chovasi ba'olami. Why am I here? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to accomplish? Salakini Khanin was a request for Hashem. Number one, I need wisdom to know what I need to do. Number two, Hashem, I need wisdom because just like I realize that wisdom is a gift from you, a gift from you, all from you, I need wisdom to open my eyes to everything else is a gift from you as well. I want to live life with a childlike sense of awe that every single thing that happens to me, I recognize is a gift from you. And by the way, if we take it, if we build that out, it applies to even the things that aren't so pleasant, but we'll save that for a different time. I want to live a life with a sense of awe. That just like das, intellect, you give it to me or you don't give it to me. It's a gift. I want to live life with the recognition that everything is a gift from you. And so and ultimately again, third understanding why do I need why why do I want wisdom? Because wisdom gives me the ability to find kiddusha, to find holiness, even in the most mundane. I don't want to live a life of Kodesh and Chol. Some things are holy, some things are not holy. I want to live a life where everything is Kodesh. Everything is holy. Some things are obviously Kodesh, and some things the holiness is a little bit more nuanced. But give me the wisdom to try to figure out how to pull out holiness from every situation and from every circumstance. And as such, it emerges that with two little words, Elohim Yechaninu, David HaMelech gives us beautiful insight and a beautiful window into what the Messianic era is going to be like, while at the same time arms us with the wisdom to lead meaningful and impactful lives each and every day. We'll stop over here for today. We will, Amir Hashem, continue. I think we'll spend one more week on Kapitel Sanach Sain, Chapter 67, as we continue our journey. Wishing everyone a wonderful day and a fantastic week. Thank you very much. Have a good day, everybody. Rabbi, the shir tonight is so Very special. Thank you. The shir tonight is face to face. No, that that shir tonight, the the Purim shir is next week in Mirat Hashem.